Welcome to this month's edition of TAFTCAST. My name is Beth O'Mahony, and I'm the Business Development Director based in our Chicago office. I'm also the author of the bi-weekly business development newsletter, The Buzz. If you read the recent issue of The Buzz, you know that I'm excited to speak today with Steve Fretzen, author of Sales Free Selling, and two other books on business development. Steve has more than 20 years of experience coaching attorneys from solos to big law partners. He hosts the podcast, Be That Lawyer, writes a column for the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin, and is a frequent speaker on business development. Welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me, Beth. So what initially got you into legal business development and attorney coaching? Well, it sort of happened, I don't want to say by accident, but I, I started my business in 2004, really focused on helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And I never really thought that legal or lawyers needed any assistance with this. So I really didn't work with any lawyers. And then when 2008 hit, I started getting a number of calls from lawyers and law firms saying, hey, you know, things have changed. Uh, people are being let go or I was just let go. I need to set up my solo practice or my business is down and I need help. And what lawyers found um, about what I do, what I had been doing for entrepreneurs was that I teach what's called sales-free selling, which is the name of the book. And it's all about how to not be a salesman. I think, you know, you and I would agree, we hate being sold to. We don't enjoy, you know, having to pressure or sell or convince anyone to do anything. Like that's not something I enjoy and that's not something lawyers enjoy. So I've been teaching sales-free methodologies now for almost 20 years. And it absolutely works so well with lawyers because that's, the, you know, that's the last thing they ever want to do is ever go into sales. So uh, that's, that's how I got set up working with legal. It was kind of by accident got pulled into it. So Sales Free Selling was your first book. So what made you want to write it? Yeah, it was actually a client that I was meeting with who had essentially tripled his business in about nine months of working with me. He was in the, in the cybersecurity space. And we sat down and he mentioned that, that you know, he thought I should write a book because what I had done with him was so critical to his success. And he continued to to, to, to win at business development and ended up selling his businesses for millions. And he's partially retired now. We're still very close, but not only did he encourage me to write a book, but he thought, and there'd been a number of books written as a story. And so, you know, when you buy a, a how-to book or you buy a business book, usually it like, you know, gives bullet points and it gives highlights and it gives examples. And he thought it would be unique if I was to write a book where we actually incorporated characters into a story, that it would be more palatable for people to read a story than a how-to book. And that's what sales-free selling is. It's a story of an attorney, an entrepreneur, and a sales professional who all meet a coach named Scott, you know, secret hint, hint, wink, wink, it's me. And they he takes them through his program. He takes them through sales-free selling, how to go out and get business. And then of course, when you meet someone that is interested or has needs for legal services, for example, that you can simply walk them through a buying decision to see if it's a fit and identify that they're qualified and identify that everything is it makes sense. And that's a much better approach, for example, than going on a pitch or convincing, like I said earlier, or selling someone legal services. So that's the book that he convinced me to write. And it was hard because I'm very comfortable writing how-to books and I've written two others and a third on the way, but writing a story with dialogue, never done it and may not do it again. It was really challenging, but I thought it was a really um, a good way to write a book that lawyers could read and, and, and really get into the characters and get into sort of like feeling like they're a part of, of that experience. So that's kind of what, what the whole idea was. 
That's one of the things I liked about it was that it did have that conversational tone and you were able to relate to it, I think, a little bit easier. And in my head, I was thinking, what would be the next question somebody would ask? And inevitably, one of the one of the characters or one of the people, you know, the, the trainees, the coaches um, ended up asking that question. So going back to just attorneys, why do you think attorneys have such a hard time with, you know, the quote unquote S word, i.e. the sales word? Yeah, I think there's probably a couple reasons. I think one is that it is one of the noblest professions. I think doctors and lawyers, you know, they have the special licensing, they have to get their accreditation regularly. And sales is not really something that doctors and lawyers and dentists ever thought they would need and quite frankly, didn't need. And so now we've turned a corner in the last 20 years with, you know, uh, technology, the internet and competition rising that um, lawyers realize now that probably the second most important thing that they need to do in their career, if they're smart or if they're forward thinking is to build a book of their own clients and that, you know, the realization that business doesn't grow on trees and that the work that you're fed today may not be fed tomorrow. So it has to happen. That being said, no lawyer says, Hey, I can't wait to go to law school and become a lawyer so I can go sell legal services. Right? So the word sales is, is absolutely a dirty word. So we're calling it business development. Okay. I can live with that. And we even call it marketing and it's, I don't believe it is marketing. I mean, there's, you know, there's elements of marketing to it, but that's what lawyers have to do to get comfortable with the idea that, that they're, they are actually in fact going out and selling legal services. So what do you think is the biggest obstacle to attorneys when they're looking at starting a business development program and then sticking with it? Yeah, if you're going to do a business development program, whether it's it's the kind that I run or internally with your firm, uh, it really comes down to having a good plan, um, something that's actionable and tactical. I look at a lot of plans and they're not. They're, they're very general. Um, and, and the more we can get specific of what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? What am I focusing on? Do I understand who my targets are? Like, that's really important. Otherwise, you're just kind of out there. And I'll give you an example, Beth. Like, I interviewed 20 managing partners like five years ago. And one of the questions I asked them was, what do you tell your associates that want to go out and, 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 and go get business? And they say, oh, you got to get out there. You got to get active. You got to join a networking group. You got to go golfing. And, and that's not wrong. But it's so up in space. It's so it's so general that no one's going to take that and be able to really do much with it. Okay. So what I try to do with clients I work with is get their plan to be very tactical and actionable. It's what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Then there's accountability. Who are you accountable to? If I uh, want to lose weight and I don't tell anyone that I want to lose weight and I go like a week and then I give up and I start eating Twinkies again. Well, there's like nobody that is holding me accountable other than myself. And we know that we break, you know, commitments to ourselves all the time. So I would say accountability to a mentor, a partner, uh, a work, like a workout buddy, but for business development, um, a coach, like that's all going to be really, really helpful. And then obviously studying it. So the way that you study the law to become an expert at the law, you don't just, you have to go to law school and then you have to actually practice and learn and improve and learn and improve that isn't happening in business development. People are just winging it, hoping for the best, hoping that if I attend enough or do enough, that things will work out. For some people it does, but it's incredibly wasteful to do things without having a strategy, without having best practices. So I would say whether it's reading books, listening to podcasts, like, like take in content the way that you do when you want to be an expert at cooking or golf or, or, you know, or the law, anything that's how you become better at something versus just, you know, getting punched in the face every day because you're trying it. 
that can be incredibly discouraging to try something, fail, and never improve it. Just keep trying and trying and trying. Yeah, we often call that uh, random acts of business development. <laughs> there you go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we know that business development is not only for attorneys already established in their careers. For instance, we had a new group of associates start this month. What do you recommend that associates do to build good habits? I think you it's, it's inherent in the word habits, right? It has to become a habit. So how do we develop habits? Well, we need to develop routines and the routines dictate if we stick with them for three, four, five weeks, that they become a part of how we do things. So if I want to work out and I do, I need to have a routine. I need to know where I'm going, who I'm with, what I'm doing, what's the, what's the program, and I need to stick to it. So if that's something that you struggle with, with business development, because it keeps getting pushed down because of the billable hour or because it's not your favorite thing, which it isn't then you might want to consider finding an accountability buddy. You might want to find someone else who has a like-minded sense about business development that maybe also struggles and you two can struggle together. But that way, at least every week, you know, if you meet up for a week, every, you know, for 30 minutes each week that it's getting done and you've got someone watching your back. Obviously I hold all of my clients accountable. So having a coach or someone like a, like um, Beth, you know, someone in business development, like yourself, that, that you can work with, that's going to be a big part of setting up those habits. And then if they stick, then you've got it. Then you might have it for the rest of your career. Just like, you know, I don't miss meals. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't, I don't miss a meal. Like I know the importance of eating and eating healthy and I don't miss them. Okay. So that's a routine. Well, how did that start? So, so that's really the key is that you need to develop some, some strategies to develop those habits and then be held accountable until it becomes just a part of your day. So much of an attorney's legal work comes from referral sources. Um, could you give our listeners some tips on how to build that network and maintain it? Yeah, I think the, the thing that, that we sometimes forget, it's not just about meeting everybody. And by the way, I mean, in my second book, The Attorney's Networking Handbook, I share openly that no one has wasted more time networking than I have. Okay. I was meeting with the Avon lady. I was meeting with the Amway salesman. I was meeting with, you know, people that were just there to sell me stuff. And I just sit there for hours listening to them, try to sell me whatever they were selling me. And what I realized is I can't keep this up. I can't, I, you know, just, it's too much time and, and we don't have the time. So what do we need to do to be efficient with time and get better networking habits? And that is really about qualifying. We want to understand who our targets are. Now, my clients know from hearing me talk over and over about this, my thought is that there's really like two or three targets. One is who are the best strategic partners for you? Who are the people that are most well aligned, that have the same kinds of clients that you're looking to meet that do something different than you? Or in some cases, do the same thing as you. Maybe there's conflict work like with another lawyer. So strategic partners, and not everybody is a strategic partner. You might meet with someone and they're not a fit at all to for that role, but they can get you to the strategic partner. Okay. The second is, you know, prospects, obviously you want to continue to, 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 you know, prospect for business, meet with people who could use your services. If they become clients, they may end up being your best referral sources. Okay. And then centers of influence, people that just know everybody and they're wired in and they can feed, you know, feed you people in business on a regular basis. So I think it's important to not just spin your wheels, trying to meet with everybody, I think you want to build a network so you have a good base of, of people that you know that are quality, but you also want to qualify the people that you're meeting with to get in front of the right people and then stay with them because they're going to be the you know five or 10 that are going to be referring you regular work. 
So speaking of uh, networking, for the last 18 months, uh, lawyers have not been able to engage in some of the traditional business development activities, you know, attending conferences and networking events, um, client entertaining. So due to the pandemic, what do you recommend to your clients to help keep going? Yeah, I don't think it's it's it had to, to slow down. Maybe the sporting events and taking people you know, out for lunch, that slowed down. But then you think about the efficiency of Zoom and how many more meetings you can have in a, in a day uh, by Zoom. And for me, I went from having like a great day for me would be three meetings in a day. You know, I drive into the city, three meetings, and I'd leave. And I'd be like, wow, what a great day. Now I'm like six to 10 meetings a day. I mean, I'm loaded to the gills with meetings. And if they're all quality, well, then think about all the progress that's being made. And I think the other part of it is how are you adding value to your network? How are you adding value to your clients? If you can't take them to lunch, are you sending them articles uh, that are that are relevant to them? Are you advising them? Are you introducing them to your partners because they could add value in their business? What are you doing to regularly engage your clients, um, commenting on their social media posts, things that are going to stay where you can stay top of mind with them, add value and it replaces to some degree the social, you know, grabbing a lunch in a restaurant. Now, if you could do stuff outside in the summer, like here in Chicago, that's great. And taking people golfing, great. So do the try to figure out the outdoor stuff that you can do that might replace the indoor, but it's still a lot of a lot of um, just touch points that need to happen to make sure that you're staying top of mind with your clients in particular. Yes, I know that we've emphasized a lot here at Taft about, you know, the importance of content marketing. And over the last, you know, year and a half, we've had a lot more webinars. We've had a lot more uh, law bulletins and everything. And those are um, touch points that you can have with your clients to be able to share. And we recently launched a uh, website called Bamboo, which makes it super easy to share that content and even has pre-written um, items that you can then customize to share with your network. So I think that, that we made that a little bit easier here. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, anything you can do, yeah, that's going to help boast, bolster business development and in, in, in sharing ideas, really important. So what are some of the most underutilized techniques that uh, you've seen to uh, build a book of business? Um, well, let's go through two different, two different channels. For people that are just starting out that don't have a book of business, don't have their own clients, you have to build a network. So it's going to be about social media, LinkedIn, starting to get your name out there, starting to be authentic, starting to share kind of who you are and what you do and articles that are relevant, having an angle, having a thought, uh, you know, not just sharing stuff, but giving your angle about it. Right. And that's going to start to brand you in the networks that you're, you know, that are surrounding you. That's one. And obviously getting out there, networking, developing those strategic partnerships, building up that network of trusted advisors that you can refer and that can refer you. For people that are already in the middle of, of building business, you know, you've got a half a million dollar book or more, a lot of it comes from leveraging your existing clients. And it's one of the most underutilized things, hands down, bar none. And right away, when I get a client who has a half a million, million dollar book, we don't talk about how often or how frequent they have to go out and, and network and meet a bunch of strangers. We want to leverage the existing client base that exists because they know your work. They know your quality. They know you're a terrific person. They like you. They trust you. We want to focus on leveraging that to get upsell business, more business in your area, cross-sell business, feed your troops, right? Feed the people to your left and right. And that's great because that's business you're developing that you don't actually have to do the work, but you're getting you know, all or some of the origination. And then of course, quality introductions. And, and the interesting thing is 
that most lawyers are afraid to make the quote unquote ask, right? Like how do I ask a client to introduce me to another general counsel or to a CEO? And that's a big part of what I teach. So I can't get into all the weeds on that now, but if, but that's really where the gold is. That's where, that's where all the business is. And we just have to come up with some strategies to do that. I'll give you one. That's an example for some of the introverts that I work with. And I work with quite a few IP attorneys and other attorneys that are just highly introverted and everything about business development scares the dickens out of them. Okay. But they hire me because of the sales free selling. And also because I can, I help them craft language that makes it more palpable. So an example of this would be actually admitting that you're uncomfortable with business development to a client, okay, or making an ask. And what happens is, I call it okay, not okay. If you're showing that you're not okay, a good friend or a client or someone that likes you is going to work to make you feel okay. So the strategy and the psychology is to admit, you know, hey, Beth, you know, there's, um, you know, I know you've been very happy with the work and there's something I've been meaning to ask you, but quite frankly, I'm terribly uncomfortable with doing this, but I know that it's important in my career to continue to you know, help more people and, and do more good legal work like I've done for you in the past. Would you be open to just having a quick conversation about maybe one or two connections that you might be able to make for me as I continue to expand my book and you know my business, but I don't want to overstep any boundaries. Now that's the, that's the, you know, the, the language. Now watch what happens next that client is going to come to your rescue and try to save you and help you. And you're not really making the ask in a traditional aggressive way, right? You're making the ask in the opposite way, a very soft, nurturing and not okay way. And then the strategy is that they're going to come to your rescue. And of course, then you have to be able to walk them through who you want to meet and how that's all going to play out. There's a bunch of steps, but at least that gives some idea that that's where the business is. And now you've got an entirely new CEO to talk to with an entirely new set of problems that maybe he's unhappy with their current counsel. It's your job to find that out and to explore it further, but the door has been open. It's what you do with it after that, that that's going to also matter. So how does an attorney know if they need or would benefit uh, from working with a coach? You know, I think if you just feel like you're stuck or you've hit kind of a roadblock and you realize, you know, so part of it is like when I meet with someone what I try to do in a 30-minute meeting is I try to ask a lot of questions and identify what a lawyer is doing really well and is very successful at doing. And my skill at doing this for many years is to identify gaps. And if the gaps are doesn't have a business plan, uh, is winging it every day, is getting pushed down, pushed down by the billable hour, can't get out and do the business development, um, doesn't have all the strategies that I teach, right? And I identify all those gaps, well, then this might be a fit. And, and in whether someone is new to business development or someone has, I mean, I work with attorneys that have five and $8 million books and it doesn't matter. I'm still able to identify gaps where we can get from 5 million to 10 million or 8 million to 12 million. And it's all about those gaps. And then do does the coach, whether it's me or someone else, does the program that they're offering solve for those problems? And if the answer is yes, you might have a good fit in a coach. I will say this, if I find that someone doesn't have those problems, isn't committed to solving problems, um, has a bad attitude or is, has an egomaniac and it's not going to work well with me, the last thing I want to do is engage because I, first of all, I don't need the business. Number two, I only want to work with people that I like and that are going to execute. I've got a, a autographed Jordan jersey sitting behind me in my office. And I think Michael Jordan's the best player that's ever lived. However, 
how much better is he was he because of Phil Jackson? And I'm not saying I'm Phil Jackson. I'm not saying your your listeners are Michael Jordans. But the idea is that it's a coach and a player, and if they work well together, magic happens. If they're not going to work well together, then it's not. And so I would prefer to refer lawyers to other coaches or other people that I know if I find they're not a good fit for me. It's not, I don't have to throw them back in the sea. I can try to be a resource and be helpful even with people that aren't a fit. But I think you have to identify that you're kind of at a point where you've, re- where, where you've reached a point where you need help and you, you're willing to take advice and take coaching and, and execute. And if that's where you are and you, you realize that business development is the key to the kingdom, it's the key to the castle, if you will, in your balance, your career, sustainability. I mean, all the things that you see rainmakers have that you may not have or that you have, but you even want to get better. I think those are the, those are the, the signs. Thank you. Um, the Jordan analogy. I know that there's a lot of attorneys here that would probably argue with you that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. So that would definitely be a debate that could be for a future uh, Taft cast. I'm happy to have that with anyone that would like. <laughs> So anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we, uh, before we close up shop? Yeah. And I, I think I sort of referenced this, that, um, listen, I, 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 I love what I do. I love helping attorneys and I'm happy to talk with anyone that's highly motivated to change or grow. If that's not for you, or you're not ready for that, or at a point in your career to take that next step, here's what I would say. Um, on my website, fretson.com, I have blog articles that go back six years on, on every subject you can imagine on business development. I've got a fourth book coming out, um, and this is all great content to improve networking, to improve sales-free selling, to, to make you smarter, better, faster, stronger than you are today. And of course, my podcast, Be That Lawyer, where I'm interviewing top rainmakers, experts in business development, technology, et cetera. Check it out. And I think you'll find that each episode has something, two or three things I would say that you could write down and actually take action on that are valuable to you. It's not all discussions at 20,000 feet. The, the show was conceived to, to be tactical in nature. So I would say definitely check out the podcast, Be That Lawyer. Thank you, Steve, for sharing your knowledge with us today at TAFCAST. And so again, if people want to uh, contact you, where is the best place to find you? Yeah, it's it's either through going to my website uh, and just filling out the contact form at fretzen.com. It's F-R-E-T-Z-I-N. Or you can just email me at steve at fretzen.com. Uh, or again, check out the podcast. I think it's great to get to know me a little bit through my content before you reach out to me, because you might find that my voice and might register with you or that the things I'm talking about might hit home and that might sort of pre-qualify that you like the, my approaches and you like the way I am before you, you know, actually reach out, which, which I'm, again, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Beth. I appreciate you having me on the show.